Austin, Texas, it's the Trey Blocker Show, starring Trey Blocker and Charlie Hodge, and today's special guest, Texas State Representative Poncho Navarez, and here's Trey Blocker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of the Trey Blocker Show. Uh, We are extremely pleased today to have with us State Representative Poncho Navarez. Uh, Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I... uh I'm honored that I'm one of the first guests in what I hope will be a long-running series. Well, uh, until the FCC shuts us down, we'll keep putting out these episodes. Trey, there is no FCC with podcasts. Oh, see? You've got him. I, I don't know. I don't mean to like spoil the witch brew, but you've kind of got him spooked. He goes, <laughs> are we going to be able to beep stuff out? And I said, you don't have to worry about that. The FCC has no purview. Well, that's good because uh, my kids are listening to make sure they tell me, Dad, cursing is not good. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Unless you mean it. That's right. So did your parents ever tell, tell you, do what I say, not what I do? Oh, my dad was a great purveyor of that <laughs> but uh, I tell you my mom wasn't she was pretty good uh, and I say my, that's not that my dad was a bad example but my mom was pretty uh, she told the line real good but my dad was always good about that like look whatever you just saw don't do that <laughs> <laughs> I got that all the time where's your district my district is it stretches from the eastern end which is Maverick County which um, as a crow flies is about three and a half hours from here uh, heading south and west uh, and then it runs all the way up to the El Paso County line, and then it hits the New Mexico state line. And so we're the largest house district in the United States. We've got about 45,000 square miles. We sit in two time zones. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and we represent. So you're never late. No, no. Although, I, you know, I, I, my kids, the first time I took them uh, to Sierra Blanca, which is crossing the, the t- in a mountain, my kids said, hey, we're time traveling, Dad. Nice. I said, well, something Some, like that. Something close. But uh, it, it also encompasses more border than any other representative in the U.S. other than Will Hurd, who's the congressman. And Will has a little swath of El Paso County, which makes him, you know, the winner, if you will. Okay. Now, I've, I haven't run this past anybody, but is the Eagle Pass the, the casino, the Kickapoo Casino there? Yeah, it's right outside. It's just south of town. That's where the yeah. reservation is. Because I don't know if people know this, but I went there in like 2002. That thing has been kicking for a while. Yeah, I mean, got an upgrade. Well, it started. No pun intended. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, seriously, no pun intended. It started as basically a real fancy. It's like a double wide. Double wide. Like several double double wides stapled together. together. (laughs) And uh, and it went from that to a really nice hotel. I mean, it's it's pretty swanky. I mean, as far as and I think it's. I mean, pun intended. It's the only game in town, if you will. It's the only game in the state. I mean, I took a date there in 2002. We won like 300 bucks. Went over to Piedras Negras, and man. Spin it all. That night, oh, that night comes to me in my dreams. Sometimes I did. I spent every dime. Three hundred. Came back to the paid the thirty two cents to get back, and I said, "You got to spot me, Holmes." Three hundred bucks goes a long way if it was negative on a Friday night, or at least it used to. So we need to see if our video editor can have one of those little bubbles coming out of your head and a little flashback. So when we put this on YouTube, we can see what that dream looked like. Oh my God! That the FCC would definitely shut us down. I don't care if they have jurisdiction or not. There's a photo book called. Uh, Boys Town, and it, it it epitomizes the fun and the relationship that can be had 
<laughs> at a border crossing. <laughs> you know, interestingly enough, uh, it doesn't exist anymore. There, they uh, bulldozed all that for a coal mine. So, uh, oh wow, yeah, and they cleaned. I mean, you know, they cleaned up the town, so to speak. Right. Hmm. Progress. Is that good or bad? Well, it just depends on what side of the river you're standing on. It depends if you like coal or not, I suppose. Clean coal. So, Representative, you um, come from a family where you were the first to attend college. Yeah. yeah. And I assume the first to attend law school as well. It makes sense, right? You went to St. Mary's Law School? Uh, yes, I went to St. Mary's Law School. So what's your practice consist of these days? I just do trial work, and I mean, I, I say that. And you know this, Trey, being a lawyer is, for some reason, the more we go down this road, we try less and less cases. But, you know, I cut my teeth trying a lot of lawsuits. And mostly what I do now is uh, commercial trucking stuff. And, uh, you know, I don't make any bones about it. You know, I got friends that say, well, I'm a commercial litigator. No, man, I'm a personal injury lawyer. You know, I I break it down in the courtroom, and that's what I do for a living. And I've done it uh, consistently now for about 17 years. And so you several several years ago volunteered for a position that pays you six hundred dollars a month as a state representative. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, do people question your intelligence based on that? Or? My wife does on a regular basis. In <laughs> fact, you know, funny story is at the end of the year we actually have to stroke a check for the insurance, right? And so my wife tells me the first what insurance? time insurance, our health insurance. Oh, okay, okay. And so the first time we did it, my wife says, "Well, what kind of job is this where you have to actually pay?" at the end of the year to work there. <laughs> I said, oh, it's great. But, it's the state of Texas. Yeah, you know, I, I uh, and I tell people that there's been um, talk, and I, I don't know how serious it's been, but to make it a more professional legislature. But the idea being when it started is you basically dropped your plow, you know, you came up to Austin and you, you did six months of the people's work and then you went back home and you picked right. up your plow and you did whatever you were doing. And I think that works. You know, whatever walk of life um, my colleagues are in, I think it keeps everybody... Um, humble and i think it keeps us i mean if we were here every day i I can't even imagine the disaster that would befall (laughs) the citizens of the state well who are the folks you represent describe them if you can i mean it's massive i'm looking at a map right now that shows the so you probably have the you know the i got marfa i got got everything yeah you know who are they you know it's it's a really good mix of folks i mean we we're about 60 some odd percent hispanic throughout the district it's one of uh i believe if you know, if my facts are correct, and it just depends on the interpretation, one of five truly rural districts that are left in the right. state. The biggest city, if you will, is Del Rio, and I think the population is 33,000. The biggest county population-wise is Maverick, which is at about 60. It holds the three largest counties in the U.S., which are Presidio, Brewster, and Pecos, Brewster being number one. But the people are, for the most part, engaged in uh, agriculture, um, We've got, obviously, a lot of trade. You know, we've got two, uh, one fairly large city on the Mexican side that you mentioned that you visited, Piedras Negras. We have Acuna on uh, the Del Rio side. And so there's a lot of cross-border traffic. I mean, you know, I tell people that the river's not a border or a division. I mean, we just kind of, I don't know, drift across it as it meanders its way. You know, the the river doesn't know that it's a border. It's just a river. Right. And, uh I tell people I, I'm your quintessential border rat. You know, I grew up kind of drifting back and forth across both of them, and I don't see, I don't care what Trump does or anybody does. That's not going to change. 
So hopefully um, we yeah. might we might as well go there. I mean, he he says he's going to build a wall and Mexico's going to pay for it. And I- interestingly, Mexico's former president Vicente Fox has said some very colorful oh. rebuttals to that statement. You know, I didn't know I was telling my. He knew the English words. Well, very yes, good. Did. I don't know where who taught him that, but <laughs> I, you know, it's I was telling I was having this conversation with my dad. Is up till um, I want to say Miguel de la Madrid. No, yeah, Miguel de la Madrid was the beginning of this. Uh, run of Mexican presidents that were Ivy League educated. I think there were four of them, ending with um, uh, Cedillo, uh, my memory serves me right. And so most of those guys went to school in the U.S., so they spoke pretty good English. From what I've seen, the now Mexican president doesn't speak very good English at all. Right. He, I think he's educated 100% in Mexico, and I think that changes the dynamic. And whether that has anything to do with his dialogue that he's having with Trump, I don't know, but <laughs> I... Uh, I suspect that if uh, Fox was the president, I don't think that conversation would have gone the way it did. No. I mean, he's been pretty vocal. I think he, maybe it was on the Chris Hayes show. He just, like, went off. Yeah. Does that, do you like? I, I you, mean, what do you? I, I appreciate, you know, somebody asked me that in McAllen, apparently, on the Mexican side, in, in Reynosa, they're organizing a ban of going into McAllen spending money. And so I was on a radio show uh, in the Valley last week, and they asked me, well, what do you, and I, it was a pointed question. I think they were trying to draw me into this argument about uh well what do you think of that and i said well it's unfortunate because you know I, I love mccallan but you know those people are within their rights to do whatever they want if they feel offended and they don't want to spend their money in the u.s well that's their business right and we don't have any you know say in that and um and i understand that i mean living on the border i get where people's feelings get hurt um especially when you feel disrespected and uh i think the way Trump has gone out, gone about it uh has left a lot of people with a bad taste in their mouth whether you agree with the wall or not Sure. So do you think the wall ultimately gets built? You know, I was I had a quote. Uh, in fact, I said, you know, the wall will get built in the Big Ben when pigs fly upside down and backwards. <laughs> and, and it's true is, again, the guy, the same radio show, they were trying to draw me into this. Well, you're not you're, you're saying it's half baked or ham handed. Like, what about it? I said, look, man, I just told you like there's candy. I mean, try and build a wall up a sheer cliff. Right. And you're not going to do it. People don't understand the topography out there. No, and, Big and, bend. Yeah, I mean, and there's people in Ohio and Pennsylvania that believe that somehow this wall is going to be built right on the edge of the river. Well, you can't do that. And uh, I, I think uh, the wall will be built in places where there's already fence and wall. They're just going to knock that stuff down. A lot of it's, you know, knock it down and build a wall. But, I mean, we got a wall that separates you from the fourth, uh, from the green on number four at the golf course in Eagle Pass. And so, uh, you know, and uh, there's a, we have a fairly large uh, amount of ranching communities. I mean, I, I ranch about 400 acres on the river myself, and I literally live on the river, you know, just uh, upstream from where I ranch. And so uh, we got families that own huge ranches on the, on the river. I mean, I think the Bass family owns a big ranch. I think they own 13% of Disney. You think Trump's going to be able to build a wall on their property? And you know what? They care yeah. about the migration of the species on their ranch, too. Yeah. They have to make it through to go mate with snakes down there or <laughs> gophers. I mean, everyone's going back gophers. and forth. Gophers. It's all about well, the seriously, gophers. Name a species that lives in South Texas, and they have to traverse some terrain to go get it on well, and whatnot. I, I, I just I feel like that. <laughs> I don't know. I love Big Bend, and when I've been to Terlingua, my wife married me because I introduced her to Terlingua and Lajitas. And she's still married you after you Yeah. Her? Oh, my God. Yeah, she's one of those. It, you know what? I, I tell people, I said, it, it's down there. It's awesome because you just you don't know what you're going to get. I mean, and what I mean by that is it's um, people are just uh, 
they they really do value um, their personal freedom. They value the idea that they're far away from anything, and that's a good thing sometimes. And I, I'll say this is we had a couple, two years ago, I get a call from a, he's a producer, writer, and he, I forget the guy's name, but he won a Pulitzer Prize for some deal. And they were working on a show, and it was going to be called God Bless Texas, and it was going to be based on the legislature. And so uh, we had a meeting here in Austin. He was telling me about the reason he contacted me is the protagonist was going to be the representative from House District 74. The, uh, and this, this is what he told me. He's like, it's going to be the Anglo version of you. And I said, well, there's no Anglo version of me. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and so I asked him, I said, why House District 74? He says, well, because, you know, in France or in Australia, when people think of Texas, this is what they think of. That's right. You know, and so I, I uh, have a very deep appreciation for the fact that my district seems to be the window to the world of what, I mean, obviously we got skyscrapers and, you know, Austin, you got whatever Austin is, you got it. Right? <laughs> and, uh, but it, you know, we are that cosmopolitan and urbane, but the truth is people don't come to Texas to be cosmopolitan and urbane. They come for that. That's right. Yeah. So, so we were talking about your constituents and, and how the political spectrum isn't necessary, necessarily linear, right, as most people envision it, but it's actually almost a circle, right? So people get far off on the right end of the spectrum, and on that circle they kind of come around, and people get far over on the left side, and they kind of come around, and they meet somewhere where they're this interesting mix of, of libertarian, leave-me-alone type of folks. And, and they really do, and I mean, I think part of it is, I think urban districts— um, you know, the, the richness of an urban district is the, the, the many differences or the different cultures, and it's not, a lot of them are not as homogenous. But I think ours, you, we don't have that polarization in the district because people have to live with each other because there's not a lot of people around. Does that, does that make sense? Sure. It does. And so that common bridge means you can get to the dentist. Right. Or, I mean, or you can go get your thackles or whatever you want to do. You know, that's it's a very, in, in your point to that uh tray about it not being linear is true and i think that's the line that intersects is this idea of and i don't want to say leave me alone because i don't think people are like that i think it's more like hey we got this it's gonna be all right sure and uh you know i i can't there's not many places in texas that you can go and say you know what this place is unfriendly i don't you know by and large my travels in the state i don't think i've ever really experienced that but i can honestly say that in our district there's just a different feel to that because we're not used to seeing a lot of people coming down and when we do you know we want to make sure we take care of them and that they have a good experience and that they go and speak the gospel of house district 74 so to speak i i mean i have to tell you my my understanding my first assimilation as a young texan was going with my parents to big bend and then we'd go to lajitas and you'd cross the river at boquillas right at boquillas and walk back and like I remember the man that ran the general store said, I need everybody here. And like, but just watching people walk back and forth across this body of water that's supposed to be this big dividing line to one of this border wall, while it just seems like, I mean, there obviously is a problem. What is the solution if it's not a wall? Well, I mean, I, I can't remember what uh, official in the Trump administration made this comment maybe a couple of weeks ago, and it's it's funny. The comment was funny, but I think it, the idea behind it is solid. And it's uh, this is what he said. He said, there's going to be parts of the wall that will be transparent. 
Like Wonder Woman. Ergo, it's not a wall. I mean, <laughs> and I, I mean, no, it's a wall, damn it. <laughs> well, you know, and I started thinking about, you know, the emperor's new clothes and like, right. it's there. Don't right. worry. You, yeah. you, know. you can't see it, but, <laughs> but it's, it's there. there. It's the invisible wall. <laughs> but I, I think the idea is that is um, <laughs> that you have more of a virtual way of, of securing and patrolling the border. And I think we have to distinguish between what the goals are. I mean, a lot of it is, you know, what started a lot of this talk in the state was a humanitarian crisis. It was women and children that were flowing across the border between Starr County and Cameron County. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't some invading horde of, uh, you know, barbarians that were at the <laughs> gate. No, these were women and children that were fleeing from a very real um, violence and, uh, and desperate situation. So... Be that as it may, you know, I tell people the border's kind of like a balloon. Like, it's not, you're not going to seal it off. You put pressure at one point, the air's going to go somewhere else, and that's what happens. Uh, and, you know, and again, speaking to this point that I mentioned earlier about, and you pointed this out as well, Charlie, is the border is, it's rough. I mean, there's places you don't need a wall because the terrain itself is pretty tough uh, to get around. And there's no need to actually do anything there, but just let the elements kind of take care of themselves. Right. So with the advent of the European European Union, they pretty much eliminated borders, so to speak, in Europe, and there's a free flow of people across what used to be historical borders. I mean, would you advocate for an open borders policy in the United States? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think, uh, and I say I don't think so. I mean, I, my my experience, you know, I'm, I'm I come from a family of immigrants going all the way back to Spain, you know, the Mediterranean, coming to Mexico, and you know, uh, that, that to me enriches wherever, you know, wherever you go. But one of the issues I think, and you can't ignore this, is that a lot of times when you have this free flow of people, you're just going to have some bad people that are going to come in. There's no doubt. But I think this, um, this leap to start, I don't think we're any safer if we do, for instance, what, what was done a week ago or two weeks. I don't think that makes us any safer. And it doesn't make you... The Immigration Act or Executive Order, I mean. Whatever it was, I mean, it's, it's... I don't even want to call it well-intentioned because nothing that's happened in the last three weeks seems well-intentioned or well thought out or well done in, in its execution. But I think, I don't even think, uh, you would ask people in Mexico, people in Mexico want borders too. I mean, because borders create your country. I mean, that's what creates your, uh, your nationality, but not to the exclusion that you beat your chest and say, this is the end all be all. It's just us. Well, that's not true. But I think, I don't know many countries that would say, other than, you know, in the, in the EU, where even with the open borders, there still was this idea that, hey, it's us, it's them. Maybe it got blurred a little bit more. And um, in my travels in Europe, I just kind of sensed that it was kind of blurring as time went by. Right. And who knows where you would have ended up. And, uh, you know, I tell people, I made this speech, this is about a couple of years ago, uh, we have this tradition in Del Rio and in Eagle Pass and in Piedras Negras and Acuna, where we, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, we hug it out with <laughs> officials from Mexico, right? We meet at the bridge and we give each other an abrazo and we hug it out and pat each other on the back. And, and so I said, you know, a thousand years from now, there might not be a United States or a Texas or a Mexico. I said, but the river's still going to be here. And, you know, we'll be, and, and the word in Spanish is fronterizos, you know, we'll be border people. Right, uh, and we won't know. They won't know that it was a border once. Just there's a river. You're on this side of it, and I'm on this side of it, and that's it. 
but <laughs> I tell I remember a funny story from that time is for some reason the, the translation in Spanish it's a state representative as a diputado local. Bless you. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and so when they say the little translation, the my Mexican counterpart uh, counterpart somehow believed that I was a representative of the governor. And so every time we get together, he's always like, you know, make sure the governor knows this or that. I'm like, I'm not really on speaking terms with the governor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure he'd be happy to get the message, but it's not, it's not, I can't walk into his office and say, hey, governor, it's like this. You <laughs> just send him a text. Sure. Right? What is the duality of, of being a, a state representative for Texas and then your 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 heritage identifies with, with people that, like you said, there is no border. I mean, have, being being uh, Mexican in heritage is is incidental of borders. Whether no matter where you live, how does it does it does it tug at you? Sometimes it, making decisions. Well, not so much in the decision making, but it tugs at me. In this is I, I it it hurts me to see. You know, my wife is from Mexico, and so I spent. I'm a Mexican citizen too. I hold two passports, and so it hurts me to see people that I've grown up with and that I've intermingled with on a lot of different levels, you know, socially, economically, uh, you know, culturally, church, well, you name it, you know, sports, and every different way uh, that we have to go through this and that somehow somebody somewhere far away says, okay, we're going to divide this just like this. And it just doesn't work. I mean, it doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for us. I mean, I know very few people that believe that this is what's going to fix what ails us. It's not going to fix, you know, the opioid problem in, you know, somewhere in Pennsylvania. I read somewhere the poorest town in the U.S. I mean, it's just horrible when you hear these stories. Well, building that wall is not going to fix that. You know, I think Whitmire said today, they quoted him and said, they were asking him about the border surge. Whitmire's a senator here in Texas. And he said, uh, my sources on the street tell me that dope has not gone up more than a dollar, <laughs> period. So, I mean, so what are we trying to do? Well, yeah. so let me ask you this. I think most nations in the world would would hold out that they have a right to uh, establish their borders and control who comes in and out of their country. And I think most Americans would agree with that. So the question is, what does that process look like? You know, and I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think the 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 process or the way it's being described now stems from and the, the conversation is a lot of people don't understand immigration at its most basic level is they don't know that there's a difference between a Cuban and a Mexican in terms of their immigration status. You know, as far as they're concerned, you know, they both have a lot of vowels in their last name, and that's it. <laughs> and so, you, you uh, for instance, a Cuban puts his foot, you know, this was before Obama, you know, I think it was right before his presidency yeah. ended, he signed that, which I thought was only fair considering, you know, I would, I would use this example is, you know, Cuban gets to the U.S., he gets a visa, you know, he gets an apartment, he gets right. set up, you know, he gets to go to college, and he gets to run for president, you know. Right. Because of communism. Right. And so um, there's Mexicans that will come here and they get a boot in the ass. I mean, that's the difference. And, uh, I mean, there's places in Mexico where people come from where they're not fleeing from anything less than what a Cuban would be fleeing in terms of repression. And sometimes it's the government and sometimes it's criminal element and sometimes it's just poverty beyond what you would even understand. But it's labels. Yeah, and so is are we going to treat everybody the same, meaning should we treat um, – someone from Honduras the same as we would somebody from Mexico? I don't know the answer to that. But I agree with you that, yeah, a country's prerogative is to establish its borders, determine who's going to be a citizen and who's not. 
But let's not get caught up in, in saying, you know what, I understand that everyone's the same. Well, we don't treat everybody the same. I remember uh, when Bill Clinton was a the president, there was a boatload of Haitians that were trying to come over here. And, I, you know, I love me some Bill Clinton. But <laughs> he, he, you know, they, they turned those folks away. And there were two reasons that they gave. Um, one of them is, you know, Haiti is a country at the time that I think had a very high incidence of, of AIDS, right. or HIV. And then the other is that they were black. And they just weren't welcome. And so you start looking at it, well, what are they fleeing anything worse than what Cubans are? Probably not, but we, we uh, created some rationale for turning them away. And so do I agree with that? Well, you know, I, I think I was in uh, college then, so I probably didn't care. You didn't one. care. I didn't care one way or the <laughs> other, but, I, I mean, I can tell you that, you know, you look back at something like that and you understand, well, you know what, we're not uh, – if the idea is keeping us safe and policing our borders, then let's stick to that and not, you know, invent some crap for denying what you would give somebody else. Well, I want the I want the border to become what I grew up knowing it as a handshake where you you you're two nations. Because when I was a child, I went there and I played with my dad's friends growing up that he went to school with in Brownsville and. They grew up in Mexico. He lived in Brown, but it was the whole point was it was kind of this 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 meeting ground where it it didn't really matter. And I just I don't know what it's going to take to get back to that. But is that a priority this session? Do you think? I mean, I don't know if I mean it always is for me because I I uh, I consider it part of my. Uh, it's a rite of passage. Well, that, but I mean, I for me personally, I, I see my mission, whether it's whether I'm doing this or doing something else, is to make sure that people understand what you just described. And if I could carry that everywhere that I go, um, I do that. I, I'm a couple of years ago, I went to Peru. My wife and I went to Peru, and we were driving from the airport to the hotel when we got there, and the cab driver was very interested in where we came from, and so I made sure to tell him. You know, this is where I live, and, and this is uh, this is what it's like. And it was a lot different than what he would imagine, you know, it being. But I, I consider it part of um, a duty that I have from now until I'm not here anymore uh, to do that. And, uh, I, you know, I see this happening right now because of this tough talk from the administration that it's starting to filter down to this, that people are starting to become a little bit less trustful of each other. I think there's uh, – we. We're, we're very close to being at a point where we could move away from a lot of the civility that is not just at the border, but everywhere. When we talk about people that are coming from somewhere else and, you know, you hear these stories about people getting punched in the face just because they're uh, Korean or something. I mean, and I don't know how prevalent that is, but I do sense that people are just a little bit more wary of each other. Well, it's it's definitely gotten bad. I mean, there was a story here in Austin from a few days ago a kid, a college kid, was at a bus stop waiting on a bus, and he pulled out a cigarette lighter to light a cigarette, and it said Trump on the side of it. And next thing he knows, he wakes up in the hospital. See, I mean, and that— so, And, and uh, think about— Might have been ironic. <laughs> I mean, but seriously, no one stopped to check. That was the, Did you get that lighter? Ir- I mean, just the word meant punch. I mean, yeah. and, and, that's, and that's sad that it would engender that type of uh, bad— I don't say bad, like evil or uh, malintent to do something, to harm somebody. And I think it's on both sides. I mean, that's right. And I, you know, I tell my kids, I remember the night of the election, my kids were very, very upset. And uh, I remember my son about a month after the election, he climbs into bed with me and my wife and he says, dad, is uh, the president going to deport us? And I said, no, he's not. 
And but you know what's funny is you know here we are now and I I don't I don't know what he's gonna do and like I don't know what he's gonna do tomorrow. I mean what we got two more days in the week. I mean I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's got a bunch of stuff planned. Yeah, and I, I you know and I you know I was telling you before we got on, on air, Trey, is that I see I see us on both sides. You know the Republican Party has more of a history with this. You know in the last you know ten years and it's been because we elected uh, Barack Obama president that they've become this multi-tier party in terms of how they do things and, and the types of elements in the party. But I see our party uh, could become the same way because Trump is putting so much stress and pressure. The administration is that I could see that happening as well. And that would be a shame because uh, I know that uh, I don't belong, you know, I don't necessarily belong politically or or socially to any of those groups. I'm just kind of, you know, my deal is a little different. And, uh, but I don't, I, I hate to see a place where we are so stressed out. Um, and some of it, you know, would bring it up on ourselves. But, I mean, I can honestly say that. Look, and I'll give you an example. I voted for W the first time. My cousin worked with him when he was a governor and then when he went up to Washington. So I voted for the guy. I actually, the, the next day after the election and about a month after, I decided I wasn't going to vote for him again because I thought he'd stolen the election. He should have been president. You know, I voted for him, but I thought he lost. Those damn hanging chads. Those chads. Man. <laughs> It was a wild time. It, it was. And I mean, so I said, you know what? I, I can't in good conscience vote for the guy again because he shouldn't have been president. But though, was that his fault? No. But I mean, you know, it is what it is. You know, I was, I was, it is what it is. I was, uh, I, w- I was a lot more idealistic. Then. <laughs> but, you know, fast forward, he runs against Kerry and, you know, Kerry gets swift boated right. and, uh, and Bush wins. I didn't feel bad. You know, I didn't wake up and I didn't have this sorrow or I didn't have this anxiety. I didn't see other people have this thing. They may have disagreed with, you know, President Bush, but they weren't as anxious as people are now. And I I don't the easiest thing in the world to do, or maybe it's not for a man like Trump, is to say, you know what, let's all take a deep breath, step back and settle down. And you know what, I'm going to do a better job at doing this. And that would be easy. And I think even somebody like me who just I can't see a way of forgiving the man. I could say, you know what? That's good. At least try that. But there's nothing in this guy's DNA or the makeup or the way things are starting to filter down that allows anybody to do that. Like, nobody wants to step back from this. I mean, I say we, uh, in quotes, like, we're just as bad. Like, I'm not backing down. Right. Yeah. So it, It's like a brawl. Yeah. And, you know, we're like these kids that are, like, nose to nose. Someone's pushing us from one side or the other. There's going to be a fight. Right. Uh, but, but we I mean, all know there's hindsight to come. Like it will end, and everyone will cry or or get their their wounds <laughs> treated. But it, it does. It ends. It has to. And, I mean, it's a law of physics, and it's just you know my my uh, dad says you know everything else everything ends badly or else it wouldn't end. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to ponder that. I was about to say that's bit. kind of a quote. Is there anything you tell your son as we wrap up? Like when he jumps in bed and says, "Are we gonna be deported?" I mean, on that subject or any, do you have words that you, you, you quote to your kids that whether you're from your, your parents or uh, you know anything? I, 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 quote, uh, I quote the great Nacho Libre and I say, mucho take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best quote we've had so far. <laughs> and befo- easy. Before, we, before we end, I've got one more question for you. I noticed on your Twitter feed uh, that you are a musician. Yeah. What do you play? Yeah, um, the instruments I play are the uh, guitar and the piano, and I do most of the singing. We got a band. We got a five-piece band, and uh, we just started gigging 
I want to say it's been uh, about three months. And, uh, you know, we, we were supposed to have Terry on the show today. Terry is actually a pretty so, good. This representative, Terry Canales. Yeah, Terry. Terry is he in uh, the band? No, no, he's not in the band. <laughs> I, I, we, I can't let him in the band, man. He take yeah. over the band. But Terry's actually a very, very talented lyric writer. I mean, you wouldn't notice about Terry, but he is. And so uh, uh, when I up here, I brought a piano with me. I bought this beat-up old Yamaha that I carry around with me, and, and I've had it for a while. And, and we... Um, We've been working on some stuff that, you know, we can play with my band. And so, you know, we do covers of uh, Black Crows. I tell people we play so many Black Crows songs, we're almost a tribute band, except we don't <laughs> look anything like them. But um, So what's your favorite Black Crows song? You know, I, I like uh, I like Remedy. That's a good song. But, oh, I, yeah. I mean, my favorite is Jealous Again. That's just a good ripping song. It's a good tune. Uh, and, I mean, I, you know, I, was, I think it was a, a high school senior when it came out, and so it was a... It was a good time, and I relate that song back to a lot of good times back then. Oh, yeah. Memories. Yeah. Memories. We sang about like that, Like the too. mid-'90s, man. <laughs> the warning track. Who knew what was to come? All this technology you know, that you could leave the house and be gone and no one knew where you were. I mean, we didn't know that was something to be cherished. You know, I tell people, like, I don't even know how we got together back then because, you know, you're you stepped outside the phone rang you didn't hear it you know that's it like you Gone. missed you yeah. missed the missed call it. Yeah, I missed mean, everything and just meeting up with somebody right it was it wasn't you know now it's i think that's why people miss more appointments because it's easier to do it you know before like you called and said okay uh you know my, my you're beholden yeah my dad was lamenting this the other day he's like yeah you know they didn't show up well because five minutes before they can tell you you know i can't go and before you didn't have that yeah. Just, just like Terry Canales yeah, did too. Yeah, like Terry us. did. <laughs> <laughs> hey, his mom came into Jeez. town, man. Yeah, 1995, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Representative, thank you for coming on the show, and um, we'd like to have you back sometime. We appreciate it. No, I appreciate it. I, I uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll say I was on the show when it was just starting out. Just starting yeah, man. Out. <laughs> You've been listening to The Trey Blocker Show. Download each episode at treyblocker.com or at your favorite podcast download site. And thank you to Representative Pancho Navarez for visiting The Trey Blocker Show today.